0: Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Goins from the Reimagined Schools Podcast, a part of the
1: Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com.
0: Welcome to episode 101 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in class tomorrow. I'm Casey Bell from Shake Up Learning.
1: And I'm Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook. And in today's episode... Post episode one hundred, it's it just sounds so weird going one oh one at the beginning of this. It was show. hard. Right? It was yeah. hard
0: to say that. I was like, do I say one hundred and one? One oh one. Wow, we're in the three digits
1: now. That's right. We're gonna have to see what sticks. So, uh, in today's episode, we'll be getting back to our normal uh, our normal schedule of things in the episode. And today, we're going to be talking about Google Earth because Google Earth just got this really cool feature update. Now you're able to create within Google Earth instead of just consume. So we're going to look into the new creation tools and what you and your students might be able to create together. Of course, we've got Google News and updates. We've got some really good stuff from our listeners. And of course, we've got some blogs to share with you. So Casey, you ready to get episode 101 going? Let's do it.
0: Shall we check out what's been going on with Google? So we took a bit of a break last week. We had a replay episode and boy, did they put out some new blog posts and updates while we were gone. I think there were six or seven posts on the keyword blog on December 12th alone. So. Really trying to dig in here and find the best stuff for all of y'all listening here. And I have to tell you, my favorite of all of the things that I was curating today was the year in search. So, Google puts out this video about the things that we've been searching for online. And this year they titled it, We Need a Hero 2019 in Search. And Matt, I watched the video (laughs) before we started today. And, you know, I cry. Uh It was it, it. It's always emotional. And of course, it's historical. But what they found was there was a definite hero theme in the year of 2019 that we were searching for not only those fictional superhero ideas, but also finding the heroes you know, among us. And it just hit home, you know, and the people who have all of the thankless jobs, like a lot of the teachers listening here, you know, we're talking about the power of women heroes that we're now calling sheroes and the first female spacewalk and All kinds of amazing things that happened in 2019. But if you've never experienced these, it is awesome that Google puts these together as a way to revisit, you know, the year and to see what's been happening. And, you know, I always tell people Google knows a lot about us, (laughs) whether we like it or not. They know what people are searching for, which tells us a lot about what's going on in the world. And of course, some historical events and pop culture events and all kinds of really interesting things to look at, but all condensed into this nice little YouTube video that you can watch. And of course, this comes from the Google Keyword blog.
1: It's pretty cool. It even talks about Avengers Endgame, which makes me very excited. So I think we've probably seen that that movie at least half a dozen times since it came out. So <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. And I'm owning it. So all right. So that one was good. Um we've got something else for you that's good too. Um we have a um a feature from Assistant that is rolling out to your phone potentially to assistant enabled android and ios phones and that feature is called interpreter this is the this is the thing that you've seen in science fiction movies for years and years and years probably where you know, you don't know the language of the country that you're in or the person that you're talking to. And so you like bust out a device and you're able to like talk back and forth, back and forth with it. And, um, you know, this is something that we've seen slowly rolling out on a variety of different devices. And now um, Google Assistant has this interpreter mode where um, you basically just ask your device, be my German translator or help me speak Spanish. And then you can start to have this kind of back and forth translation that happens in real time. And so it says that interpreter mode helps you translate across 44 languages. And since it's integrated with the assistant, it's already on your Android phone if you've got it. If you've got an iOS phone, also known as an iPhone, simply download the latest Google Assistant app and that'll work. So. I could see this being huge for like, for instance, my wife has a couple of uh, foreign exchange students um, who are still struggling a little bit with um, keeping up with um, keeping up with a high school social studies class at full speed. And so, um, you know, being able to do a little bit of that every once in a while may not be a bad idea. Um, of course, me being the, the foreign language teacher. I'm going to be the one who comes back and says, you know, knowing a foreign language is still a valuable skill and you still are going to want to use it to interact with people in a real authentic face to face way. But, hey, if you have to talk to somebody tomorrow and you can't learn that language, this is going to be a really nice feature.
0: Absolutely. And of course, there are many. Applications for us to use that in our, our classroom settings or when communicating with parents who maybe don't don't speak the same language. So many languages that are now spoken in our schools. But can I confess what this actually made me think of, What's which that? is not educational <laughs> at all? <laughs> 90 day 90 fiance. Day fiance. <laughs> you probably don't. don't even know what I'm talking about, Matt. This is a guilty pleasure. It is a reality oh. show about Um, it's based on the, this visa that people get when they come to the US. It's It's a fiance visa, but you only have 90 days once they come over to actually get married or that person has to go back. <laughs> But a lot of these people don't speak the same language. They meet online and they just use translator apps. And anyway, it's it's really (laughs) astounding what people do. And I can't believe that I am admitting Hmm. on air that I watch this show, but it's kind of addictive. So I'm sure somebody out Mm -hmm. there knows what I'm talking about, but they're always using these translate apps to understand each (laughs) other. So now Google's got the official interpreter to help out for any fiance communications that you may need. (laughs) Okay, let's get back on topic here. I have an update on Google Sites, which I'm pretty excited about. I think this will be handy. And it allows us to review the latest changes to a Google site before publishing. And you you can actually see a side-by-side of the current published site and then what you plan to click publish on. So when you're making those updates, just to let you see it kind of side by side, how it's going to affect that visual. Of course, I think the new Google sites is just so clean and awesome that it doesn't really change as much as I feel like when I worked in the old site, like I can't, it feels Mm -hmm. like Light years ago, working in the old sites now. But I think this will be handy. Of course, a few weeks ago, they also announced uh, a way to see the revision history. So I think this is all connected, but I think this will allow us to see, you know, the most re- recently changed page, pages that have been added, moved, or deleted, the page content and layouts that have been changed, and other kind of site wide changes and see that visual will be really right. nice yep. for teachers. Absolutely.
1: Uh, the last one that we've got has to do with Gmail. This is, this is something that I think some folks are going to get kind of excited about. Um, So when this rolls out, uh, which should be rolling out uh, fairly soon for rapid release domains, uh, everybody else, it's going to be closer to the middle or late January. Uh, But what we've got is the ability to attach emails to other emails in Gmail without downloading them first. So imagine this, Imagine you're getting ready to send somebody an email and you want to attach somebody else's email that you want to reference. So it's like, you know, if you've been having a conversation with someone else or if you had a conversation with this person and you want to pull an old message and make sure that they can refer to it quickly and easily, now you can drag that email over into the one that you're typing and attach it, almost like you're attaching a document. So talk about being able to kind of clean up The, um, you know, the, the emailing process and make it easier to see multiple messages all at once. So, um. I can I can see this kind of streamlining the the communication that that folks are doing. So um, if you've got rapid release, uh, you may have it just as soon as you hear this episode. But scheduled release domains, you're probably looking at January before you start to see this feature. So um, of course, with this one and with any of the other uh, Google news and updates, you can find those at our show notes at GoogleTeacherTribe.com/101. So folks, we've got some exciting things going on in Google Earth. I saw this, um, these, these creation tools that have just recently been added to Google Earth on Twitter recently. And I'm thinking, oh man, this is going to be such a cool thing. So in the past, what we've been able to do with Google Earth is a lot of consumption. Google likes to call Google Earth the world's most detailed globe. And with Google Earth, you're able to zoom in on the globe, you know, zoom in on the map and see things in detail. You can see them in three dimensions. Um, You can even drop yourself down on the street with a street view. And there's a whole bunch of information, too. You've got all of these little information cards and everything. So lots of consumption, lots of ability to uh, collect information um, and view it in Google Earth. We've had some other tools that have allowed you to create with maps. Of course, you've got My Maps um, where you're able to drop pins on a custom map. You've also got the tour builder and the tour creator. We've got lots of these options kind of all over the place. And these new creation tools that we've got in Google Earth kind of make me think that you know, maybe Google Earth is going to be the landing place for a lot of this stuff. So here's what why I'm excited about this is that with um, Google Earth's creation tools, we have the slick the the slick pretty interface of regular google earth and now we're able to uh drop pins and add information to these these custom maps so um i've already gotten a chance to play with this a little bit and so some of the features that you'll see in google earth's creation tools you're able to drop placemarks which are kind of like pins and then if you use um tour creator Uh, this is kind of the same idea where once you drop a pin, you're able to write in a little title, you can add some information um, in the description, you can add pictures and videos and that kind of thing. You can also add lines and shapes to the map, which is kind of like what you've been able to do in my maps as well. In addition to all of this, all these different things you can add to the map, you've also got street view. So if you want to show what it looks like on, you know, what something looks like down on the street. You can add a street view uh, image instead of an above image, kind of like a satellite image. Uh, Then it also allows you to add slides, too. And so, you know, slides are kind of like where you can present some information or present a section divider, And with all of these things that you add to it, you can organize them and put them in order. And then once you hit present, you're able to flip through them almost kind of like a slideshow. Um, so anyway, there's, there's a lot of, um, a lot of good in this update with uh, Google Earth. So you can kind of think of it like, you know, being able to create a virtual tour where you have a bunch of different stops. You can work through them in a progression kind of like in order and. After playing with this a little bit and looking at it, there's a lot that you can do with this. And I think there are a lot of um, possible implementations in the classroom.
0: I feel like Google Earth is this storytelling tool that... Any way that we want to tell stories and in every classroom, we have stories to tell that we can use this tool to support that, whether we're creating new fictional stories, we're retelling historical adventures, we're, um, you know, going through some sort of timeline. There's so many ways that we can jump into these creation tools in Google Earth. And it's become so powerful, you know, it's going back and looking at the last time we talked about Google Earth, and that was back in episode 16. Of course, we have updates and other things where we have talked about that pretty much nonstop since episode one. But the new Google Earth really just kind of blew my mind Uh, again, right? You know, the original Google Earth was so powerful, but now we have it in HD, we don't have to download all this extra stuff. But we have the ability to create these maps and these stories. And I started doing some digging into the resources that were available through Google Earth, Education, which is a great resource page if you have never explored that. And they actually have a free cheat sheet. It's called 5 Tips to Start Creating with Google Earth. So if this is all foreign to you, um, it's pretty handy. It will walk you through step by step on what this looks like, where to click, what all the little icons mean to help you figure out how to create it and to share it. And what I love is when you Play, I, I like the word play when you pre- present these stories. I mean, it's just a matter of clicking through and the animation and everything comes to life. And so, one of the things that you can see in Google Earth Education is there's a whole section called creating stories about the world. And so, they have some examples in there from all types of um, organizations and educators that you can see. Some of these I know we mentioned when this first arrived, like when we were talking about being able to read the ABCs from space, but there are new ones in here. And I was exploring some of these earlier and found one called the diary of a young girl, which is an Anne Frank lit trip. So lit trips bring another layer to the mix. And of course we're exploring the places where your mm-hmm. novel happens. So you're seeing the the setting come to life. And so before we got started today, I was actually clicking through this one on Anne Frank and pretty much it's, I mean, it's ready to go. So whether you want to create your own for your own content, you want students creating, or there's also these that are out there available that may align with what you're learning. So I can just click on that present button and it will walk me through each step. And I'll see information. I'll see images. I will travel the globe and go to all of those very important places from the novel, from the Holocaust, all of the concentration camps. You can see these all on the map and bringing this to life. And this, for me, of course, y'all know, I I taught language arts. Literature is right up my alley. But um, to, to think back, to teaching this novel and the Holocaust unit and how difficult it is to really put these things in perspective. I love that we have this at our fingertips.
1: You know, literature was one of the first things I thought of when I started to see this. So I thought that was a, a perfect connection there. Um, the fact that we can see a lot of these locations from up above with the satellite view, but also from uh, on the ground with uh, street view and then to be able to show them in uh, you know, kind of in order, like you're, you're telling a story. But of course, literature is only one place that you can go. There's lots of other ways that we could potentially use this. In fact, um, Google put out a video uh, introducing creation tools in Google Earth. This uh, video that they put out has a variety of different ways that it's been used. And one of them actually came right out of a, a classroom. In fact, came from a, a class in New York from educator Micah Shippey, who I know is a friend of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. I know uh, Casey and I have talked about some of the things that he's done. And he had a class of students study how a local lake had been abused. And so they started gathering information and putting it on the map and showing some, some details of, of what they had found. So, you know, that's, that's a way where you can take what you've learned and take the information that you've gathered and actually push for change in your community, which is super cool. But of course, you can branch beyond You know, the humanities, so to speak, your your social studies and your uh, literature, it would be definitely within the realm of possibilities to do some place based math problems. You know, there's there's geometry, distance, rate and time. You've got ratios and proportions and any of that stuff, um, you know. I'm the foreign language teacher. Casey's the English teacher, so I, I don't think I'm I'm too far out of place here by saying that, um, you know, this stuff this stuff can definitely be applied. And then, the other neat thing that you can do with the the Google Earth creation tools is that you've kind of got a couple ways to use it. One is you can have one person create a map and create the story and all of the place marks on the map. Or you can do it collaboratively as well. So if you can imagine an entire group of kids jumping into a shared class map and everybody drops an individual pin. So imagine you're going to do one of those, you know, place based math problems and each student has one. Each student drops a place mark onto the map and then does that problem. And then now you have, you've got 25 kids in class. Now you've got 25 problems spaced out all over the map and kids are able to go look at each other's stuff. So, um, you know, that whole collaborative side of things could be really good too. So, I mean, tons and tons of ways that you could integrate this into class.
0: And I'm going to circle back to that math idea because I feel like that's the group I hear from the most struggle with some of the things that we talk about, you know, they need more ideas. How does this work in math? And so as you were saying that, Mm -hmm. I was actually discovering this other Google Earth tour that was created by Media for Math, and it's about triangular structures. So you can learn about the architectural use of triangles, and geometrically, they're one of the most important shapes an architect can use, and it will walk you through. It starts at the Eiffel Tower with a very unique view looking straight up at, at the Eiffel Tower. And it goes to the Bank of China, uh, the Luxor, the Louvre, and uh, the Salvador Dali Museum. So you can explore these other things. And you can talk about things like geometry and all of these other types of relationships that we have, because everything we talk about is on this earth, right? So we mm-hmm. can find these connections. But I loved that This one was ready to go, whether this is what you're teaching or not. Hopefully it might inspire you to take a deeper dive into how this could be used in your math classroom.
1: And, you know, I could even see some some uses of this on a on a bigger scale. Um, you know, there's the potential of creating a supplement to your school newspaper. If you wanted to add, you know, where people are, you know, maybe where graduates are working or where people have taken vacations or whatever, um, you know, having that and then linking to it could work. And then I could even see schools and school districts creating a resource um to give parents and people in the community regarding other schools that they might go visit, for instance, you know, a basketball team or a football team or a lacrosse team has to go to these different schools for competitions. Let's drop some pins on the map of where those are and make that a resource that, um, you know, parents and community members could use. So I think I think the, the potential for this really is kind of all over the board.
0: But anyway, you know, I think the the further we go, the deeper we go, and the more we have in Earth, right? It's not just land masses; it's it's water, it's underwater, it's desert, it's it's mm-hmm. everywhere that we we can bring these things into our classroom. And you think that just a few years ago, it was pretty difficult to get students to imagine. The real life, you know, we're staring at pictures and textbooks. That's that's what you and I did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we now have satellite precision in HD at our fingertips.
1: Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. It's it's so cool. It I mean, it really does let you, you know, help students put themselves in the shoes of people that are that are actually living in these places around the world. So um We've got lots of resources on our show notes page at GoogleTeacherTribe.com slash 101. I also wrote an entire blog post called Creating with Google Earth, 10 Ideas to Try. So I shared a couple of those and then you've got some other ones to check out there, but lots and lots of possibilities. And of course, we're curious to hear how you might like to use it as well. So, um, you know, definitely tweet at us um, on the GT Tribe hashtag or, um, you know, send us a message at GoogleTeacherTribe.com. Leave us a little voice message and we'd love to hear what you're thinking about as well there's a letter in your mailbox hey you know what this is all your mail hey maybe i'll give you a call sometime you've got mail
0: We're going to jump in the mailbag. Let's jump in the mailbag. Yes. It's time to see what's been going on. Now, I have to tell you, this is a piece of mail that I brought in myself because I found it to be so awesome. So Mm -hmm. if you have not been following the Create with Chrome hashtag on Twitter, it is worth your time to start scrolling through this wonderful idea. And thank you to Brian Briggs for tagging me on a on a link there that he shared and he created this create with chrome advent calendar and essentially there are activities to create with chrome for uh, all of our days here in december so far i will tell you this is quite a gigantic slideshow and it might take it a little bit to load. I have been clicking through some of these and it does start off with some music. So kudos to Brian for using that new audio feature Mm -hmm. in Google slides, but he's got some really fun activities. In fact, he has an ugly sweater day (laughs) where you're going to create your own ugly sweater you're going to create snowflakes. You're going to create a gingerbread house. And guess what? You don't have to clean up after the mess. Nice. Yeah. Um, creating avatars and a friend emoji party. <laughs> so we've got all kinds of really fun ideas to just get everybody creating. So whether that's you as the teacher, learning professionally about these things first, or if you want to bring some of these ideas into your classroom, it is a really neat idea just to kind of create these challenges and get us thinking about these things. They're quick activities. You can post them on Twitter and share what you're learning as you go. So thank you to Brian, who's also a co-host of the Check This Out podcast.
1: Good stuff, always good stuff from Brian. All right, we do have a question. So this comes to us from Diane Miller Duncan, no relation to this Miller. Um, She's from Southern California. So take it away, Diane. Hi, Matt and Casey. My name is Diane Duncan from California. And I have a question because I work at an independent study charter school and I'm the ed tech manager there. And I'm just wondering if You can think of any ways that I can use Google Classroom or any of the other tools that you talk about in the classroom for our independent study students. Many of our teachers have a variety of grades on their roster, so they could have anywhere from K to 12. So setting up just one Google Classroom I don't think is the um, best answer. So I'm just wondering if you have any ideas for me, and I'd love to hear from you. And congratulations on your 100th episode. I just finished listening. Super fun. Ah, uh, So this is a tricky one because so often whenever we hear about using Google Classroom and using a lot of the Google tools in the school setting, a lot of times it's in a classroom where a whole bunch of the kids are in the same class or in the same grade and they're all working on the same kinds of activities. And so we want to do that you know, sort of whole group collect assignments and give grades for everybody on the same thing. And in this situation, this is very different. And Diane has a really good point. If everybody is, you know, in a different grade, in a different class, and we're trying to set something up like Google Classroom, it can be tricky with a lot of those um, sort of traditional means. So I was kind of racking my brain on this and I've not tried this myself. I'm just kind of speaking theoretically here. So, um, of course, if you're listening to this and you have some experience like this, we would love to hear and share your um, experience as well. But I'm thinking if you have a bunch of students who are kind of all over the board, Google Classroom still could be a very useful thing. So let's, let's get the students all into that Google classroom. Have them all join the same one if you are responsible for them. And then instead of creating an assignment where everybody does the same thing, what if we create an assignment that is just the week? So we say like the week of, you know, the fifth through the ninth, um, whatever month it is. And we just say, this is, this is your assignment for the week and whatever the students are working on. At the end of the week, or whenever it is, whenever it's time for them to turn in uh, work, they go to that assignment and then they attach all of the files that they've been working on. Of course, they can leave, um, you know, they they can leave a comment uh, along with that, and then they submit it to the teacher. And then the great thing about that too is that opens up that. Um, you know, sort of like that back channel of sorts with the private comments. So now um, students and teachers are able to go back and forth, back and forth and discuss what they've turned in. Um, now, are you going to use the gradebook features within Google Classroom to do this? Probably not because, you know, you're probably putting that into your uh, student information system. And since everybody's sort of all over the place, um, you're probably going to want to assign those grades someplace else. But Google Classroom, I think in that case, could be a really good collection hub and a good place to have that, you know, digital communication piece. So that's, that's one, one place that I could, I could see that working.
0: I was kind of thinking that too, of course, I don't know how many students you have. And if, you know, a lot of teachers for these types of situations are creating separate classrooms. And I don't know if any students share any assignments or if they're, all completely independent if there's a way to do that. Cause I know it, it's kind of a nightmare if you've got to have 60 different classrooms to do it. That's just not manageable. But the grading feature inside Google Classroom is just not quite that robust yet. Mm-hmm. And it's still fairly new. And was thinking kind of along the same lines as Matt, as maybe if you can have that weekly grade or that daily grade. But of course, it can still get really confusing. And even if you're putting that in a separate grade book because of the weights may vary one, you know, if one student's got a test that day and somebody else has got a daily grade that day. So again, um, not really sure that we have a great answer for you, but I think this is definitely something to put out to the tribe and find out what other people are doing. And of course, something that we need to send feedback to Google on. So using that little question mark in Google classroom to let them know that we, need a little bit of a pivot in our gradebook to allow us to do this.
1: Yep, absolutely. So Diane, thank you so much for the question. And of course, if you have a question or a tip or something cool you're doing in your own class, feel free to head to googleteachertribe.com and leave us a voice message and tell us all about it. All right, Tribe, we've got a couple of quick blog posts to share with you as we wrap up some stuff that you might find useful. Um, for me, this is a post that... Um I wrote a couple of years back and have kind of like continuously updated it. And this is a list of sites that you can send students to when they have free time on their hands. And I thought this was the perfect time to share that. Um, getting close to the end of a semester, you know, a lot of times we have semester projects, um, you know, final exams and It's, it's kind of a time of year when students are at different points and they may have a little bit of that extra time. So if a student comes up to you and says, I'm done, what should I do now? I know for me, it's always been useful to have a handful of, uh, you know, websites in my back pocket where I can say, hey, why don't you go do this with your extra time? And it's stuff that's kind of fun for them, but is also very academic in nature. So they're still, you know, they're still learning something. So I've got a list of 20 sites for students with free time on their hands. That's in that blog post. And then I did also want to mention that we are coming right up on the Ditch That Textbook Digital Summit. This is my free online conference for teachers that I do every year. We're going to have more than 50 video presentations. We've got a handful of new ones that are really, really cool. Um, You can head over to DitchSummit.com to sign up for that. You can watch the videos for free um, and also generate certificates of completion for professional development credit. So DitchSummit.com if you want to check that out.
0: Awesome. And, you know, I always suffered with that problem with what do these kids do who finish early? So I love that you've put that together to to give students some meaning mm-hmm. <laughs> to their free time. So I have a couple of posts to share with you. One is something that is a guest post from Tech Chef for you, Miss Lisa Johnson, and it is six free Google templates for creative productivity. So Lisa is the productivity queen and she creates some amazing things usually for Apple products, but I had her on my podcast and then asked her to write a guest post and she created Google versions of all of her nice. templates. And yeah, you love it when you ask somebody to write a guest post and it's like, I'm not just going to write it. I'm going to give you all this other stuff too. So she's awesome. These are really great templates that you can use to do a lot of different things. There's a value sort. There's a level up student reflection. There's habit tracker, a reading tracker, a gratitude tracker, and a mood tracker. So we're also getting in some health and wellness as well and helping students think about these different things in the classroom. So really handy. And the other thing I wanted to mention, just because we are hitting that holiday break time, is I put together a list of some of my favorite books. And they are six books that will transform your classroom. So if you're looking for some professional reading over the break, I've got you covered. So there are definitely some great reads in there, including Lisa's book that I mentioned earlier, Creatively Productive, and some other amazing authors you may want to check out. But these are the these are the books that I find practical yet innovative. And you're going to take away some great things from these.
1: Yeah, I checked out this list the other day, and there's some really good stuff on there. So definitely check that out. And of course, you can get links to everything we just talked about at Google one oh one. Merry
0: Christmas. Well, that wraps up episode 101 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. I, I think I just like saying uh-huh. that now. Yep. Matt, 101. Yeah, it feels good. So we hope you have found some great takeaways in today's episode. Google Earth offers us so many ways to create cross-subject areas across grade levels and we hope you're you're taking away some some tidbits there that you can use in your classroom
1: absolutely of course we we do love to interact with you so please do continue to share great stuff on the gt tribe hashtag uh leave us voice messages of course if you um or if you aren't subscribing to the podcast, we would love to have you as a subscriber. And if you do and you love it, we would love for you to leave us a review wherever you, you get your podcasts. One other quick thing to note, we're going to be going on a little bit of a winter hiatus. So it'll be a couple of weeks and then back at the beginning of January, we'll have another episode for you of the Google Teacher Tribe. So until then, we will see you on the next episode of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast.
0: Happy holidays, y'all.